The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Today on Kindled, I'm chatting with Executive Director of All Things All People, Jeremy Jenkins. Jeremy, thanks for being here today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So we're going to talk about some of the key differences in Mormonism and Christianity and uh, how to evangelize and witness to those in the LDS church today. Uh, And this is something that I've been talking about a lot online and we've engaged a little bit on. And um, I know that your ministry focuses on reaching the the most unreached people groups with the gospel. So would love to hear a little bit more about who you are and what you do before we jump into this conversation. Yeah. Well, yeah. First off, Haley, um, not only thanks for having me, but thanks for doing what you've been doing the past few weeks on Instagram. I've been a follower of yours for, for a long time. Um, and so it's been really cool to see kind of what you've been doing and the conversation you've been leading. I feel like you've done it pretty well with grace and tact, but also boldness. Um, so yeah, with, with all things, all people, and we usually just say a tap. Um, mm-hmm. so we, uh, explore, um, the darkest and least reached places to mm-hmm. engage people with the gospel. And, um, so that's not just Latter-day Saints. I mean, we, we, we really, this past year, we really started focusing on the United States. Um, I have this firm conviction that the United States is less reached than we think. And so, um, so yeah, we, we explore and, and research, um, and try and engage, um, really as many people with the gospel as we can, especially groups that, um, evangelicals have largely, I think either ignored or maybe even been intimidated by at the lay level, there's confusion around. And so while the Latter-day Saints isn't the only group that we, we focus on, it is probably the most prevalent one that I get questions about is like, I know you do too, especially for those of us who are in social media, Latter-day Saints really have a strong grip. I feel like mm-hmm. um, having a really strong uh, social media presence. And so, right. um, so yeah, so, so we, we are actively engaged with training up churches and raising up mission leaders to, uh, to really do what the Latter-day Saints do, which is mm-hmm. um, to go to them and, and try and share the gospel with them, try to develop strong relationships with them. Um, because as I'm sure you and I are going to get into, like the Latter-day Saints, uh, religion is it, like, we're not talking about like a de- different denomination. Sometimes, gets, right. yeah, exactly. Sometimes it gets portrayed that way, um, by both the Latter-day Saints and just Christians who don't know, uh-huh. but it isn't at all. It's, it's, uh-huh. it's, it's as completely different, um, if not more different than almost any other religion in the uh-huh. world. And so, so yeah, so that's our passion. That's what um, kind of keeps me up at night is reaching people with the gospel who are part of the, these types of groups mm-hmm. um, where there's really like not an ounce of, of truth yeah. to be found. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that you said that. I think that brings clarity to it of like, why even have this conversation? Why, why do an interview on, on 
the beliefs of the LDS church over that of, say, um, Islam, for instance. Right. Well, most Christians like have no issue recognizing Islam is a, a, a other religion. It is not Christianity. Most Christians would not be confused by that at all. They would not say we have the same God, the same belief system, same worldview. Like, no, they, they know that that's totally other. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the LDS religion, I think it is what you said that so many people have kind of conflated it with Christianity, both within the religion and outside of the religion. I think they've um, really dialed up their self-description as Christians in the recent years. They used to not refer to themselves as Christians, right? And that was like a, a very clear decision to kind of assimilate in with other Christians to just be like, hey, we're just another denomination. And I think it's been pretty effective. And I think a lot of Christians believe that and, and just don't really know what they believe different than us. And so um, hoping this can be like kind of a one-stop shop to to tell people about some of the high point differences, um, but also like why this matters. Why do we need to even consider evangelizing LDS? Why, why is this important? And I think I would love for you to share something that you said before we hit record about how they, um, you know, the young men are like even identified and wearing this uniform yeah, yeah. and the name tag, like, so kind of talk about that. Yeah. So I, um, so I, so, so I really have multiple jobs, right? So, so I'm a pastor at a church in North Carolina. I'm the executive director of ATAP. And then I actually teach world religions, um, at the university level. And so this is like this type of, these types of conversations have really been my entire life for 11 or 12 years now. And so what, what really has begun to become sort of an anthem for me in talking to Christians about these types of things is, is really when we talk about the need to share the gospel, share the good news of Jesus. Um, I firmly believe that groups like the Latter-day Saints should be at the top of our list, not necessarily because they need the gospel more. Everybody needs the gospel the same. But at the end of the day, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has been very strategic and intentional to send missionaries to every single one of our hometowns. Mm -hmm. And when they get there, um, you know, the young men wear uniforms. I mean, they wear the, the very typical starched. I mean, they're always like, they look great. Um, white uh, button downs, usually it's short sleeve, dark slacks. Uh, the young ladies, um, you know, these are typically 18 to 22 year olds. Um, they usually are dressed very conservatively, but very nicely. Um, and they all have name tags. And like, I tell people all the time that, Hey, just imagine those name tags say, share the gospel with me, because I believe if they're going to send missionaries to every single one of our hometowns, then they deserve to have a missionary sent to them. And so one thing that we do with ATAP is we're trying to mobilize churches to actually send missionaries to groups like the Latter-day Saints, mm -hmm. um, because it won't happen any other way. Like it's not going to happen by accident that we share the gospel with groups like this. Um, and, and it certainly won't happen when most of American evangelicalism um, when a Latter-day Saint or a Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door, you don't go to the door. And, and even more so, honestly, the response that I get from talking to Latter-day Saint missionaries and Jehovah's Witness missionaries when, I, like when I'm trying to share faith, my faith with them is that most evangelicals, most Christians, you know, do something akin to slamming the door in their face. And so I go, right. mm -hmm. how effective do we really, can we really be if A, we don't understand what makes them different from us, right. B, we don't share the gospel with them, even when we do know the difference. And so, so it get, as you can tell, it kind of gets me fired up. Um, and, um, and it is too, it's just like, it's like, yeah, I, I go, Hey, they're, they're in your hometown. This isn't like one of those things where 
it's hidden. It's, it's the occult. It's, you know, oh, I don't have Muslims in my town. I don't have Hindus in my town. Mm-hmm. First of all, you do. Right. But second, um, there is an, a Latter-day Saint ward. They call their churches wards. There is a Latter-day yeah. Saint ward somewhere within 30 minutes of you, almost mm-hmm. guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And so that means there are Latter-day Saints. And so, so yeah, so that's kind of, at least when it comes to the LDS, like the, what is like the rallying cry that I'm trying to call people to. Yeah, I think that's, that's really great. And I, I know that um, growing up, I, I would, I remember them coming to our door. We had both Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses knock on our door and my parents, you know, stand there in the doorway and have a conversation yeah. with them. And I used to think like, why are you doing that? Like, this is so weird. Like, almost like he's just a salesman. Just tell him like, we don't, we're not interested, you know? And looking back, I'm like, wow, you know, I'm glad that they did that. And they obviously uh, took the time to have that conversation. Maybe not all the time. I'm the oldest of five. Yeah, so yeah. I'm sure there was times where they're oh, like, no. Hey, you know, we're feeding the kids lunch. But um, like you said, I, I think that's a, uh, that attitude of like, they are willing to come and evangelize us with their quote unquote false gospel. Right. Um, and yet so many Christians for, for different reasons, I think don't want to do that for them. I think, um, part of, part of what we're going to kind of touch on today, or, or I guess part of what brought us together for this conversation Mm -hmm. was the reality that, like you said, they do have a very strong social media presence. Uh, Individuals within that religion are, like you said, they're, um, you know, they're well kept. They dress nicely. Conservatives, they're like nice people. They're very kind, good parents. um, And those who have followed on Instagram know that their church encourages them, uh, encourages the women to keep a diary or a, a sort of. Uh, not even diary is not the right word, like a journal of their life. And um, it started with blogs, you know, digital journals and people started blogs, but then that became social media and Instagram Mm -hmm. and Facebook. And so a lot of these really um, hugely influential influencers on these platforms are actually of the LDS faith. And this is something I did not know until about a year ago, started noticing, wow, like, there's some, this is crazy. Like there's, it, it looked to me at first like a coincidence. And so mm-hmm. I didn't realize like that there was actually a reason behind why there would be a large amount of LDS influencers because their faith really encourages them. The church encourages them to share their testimony on their platform and with the push to kind of say we're Christians, not Mormons, don't call us Mormons. Um, you see that working and actually being a pretty effective marketing campaign. And now, you know, what, what I've been talking about recently is just this seem apparent kind of shift from some accounts that have previously been very hands-off with their faith. They've said, you know, what I believe is at this website and they will link to the LDS church, you know, .org, whatever. They will never share anything personal about their faith. They've never integrated it into their content. It's just like, they look like a DIY home account mm-hmm. where they do projects and their new build is always on display. And now all of a sudden they've kind of flipped the script and they're like, actually, I'm going to start sharing my faith now. And it's going to become like one of the main pieces of content that I share on this platform of 1.4 million followers, you know? And so it's, it's interesting to watch that and realize there's actually reasons that's happening. There's reasons that these certain accounts are kind of seeming to be activated by the church to now use the influence that they've built to actually like share their faith. And Um, and what my concern has been is that Christians, so many Christians, well, a, we know that only 13% of Christians even have a biblical worldview. 
Yeah. Right. So if the majority of Christians don't even know what their own religion teaches and their own Bible would say about any given thing, like we probably don't understand other religions either yeah. very well. And so and just to really do some education on like, listen, this is what they believe. Uh, and like you said earlier, like we're not trying to be bullies or mean, but rather educate believers for the sake of being able to share the gospel effectively. Because yeah. if you think someone is wrongly in the fold and they're not. It, you, you're not able to love them, right? Because you're going to mistakenly be like, well, they're one of us, yeah. but they don't have the same message. Um, and so that's kind of the heart behind this. But what do you want to add to that? Oh, no, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not extremely well versed in the world of social media influencers. Um, right. But even I had noticed a lot of that um, mm -hmm. just seeming like some of the most successful, like affiliate marketer type mm -hmm. influencers. Um were Latter-day Saints and like I kind of like I joke with my friends and my wife and I like I feel like I have a radar for this of like I can mm -hmm. see things I'm like oh no no okay that they're a Latter-day Saint yeah and, uh -huh. and there really is honestly I, I can I can completely understand why that is the way it is mm -hmm. um you and I talked pre-show um just about how and I don't I don't mean this to be offensive I would but I would say this to a Latter-day Saint especially those who are from Utah mm -hmm. within Latter-day Saint um kind of like the, the within the Latter-day Saint world, there's sort of even a differentiation between Utah Latter-day Saints and then the rest of them. Um, yeah. And that's even a distinction that they make about themselves. Yeah, Utah Latter-day Saints are, I mean, I think you'd said you've been to Utah. Like it's a very performative culture. It's mm -hmm. a very like keeping up with the Joneses type culture where mm -hmm. material success and, um, you know, and honestly, I think for women, especially like appearances and what yeah. kind of mother are you and what, what kind of home do you keep, um, is extreme, like, honestly, is, is, is like the ultimate tension in their life mm -hmm. so much so that I think many of these same influencers are starting to speak out about how tiring and exhausting their faith is. Yeah. Well, in this world of Joanna Gaines fixer upper type material that like every men and women like to consume, what what better way for them to, you know, no pun intended, influence the masses than to say, hey, come look at my perfect, you know, uh, makeup routine and hair routine mm -hmm. and my house and my husband and my kids. Um, and yeah, that makes a great entry point right. for, for their faith. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's very, it may, it makes complete sense to me why we see that mm -hmm. among their ranks. I want to interrupt this episode to tell you about our first sponsor, and that is W2 Beef Co. W2 is a husband and wife team that is selling grass fed grain finished beef in bulk shipped for free straight to your door. Kevin is a fourth generation farmer who has been farming and ranching for 15 years. Their beef is raised on the wide open pastures at the Kansas-Oklahoma state line. They currently specialize in selling bulk, so this is your chance to stock your deep freezer with quality meat. If you love hosting parties, meal prepping for your family, or having steaks on hand for the grill, they are the meat providers for you. And like I mentioned, they ship straight to your doorstep for free. So this saves you a trip to the grocery store, hauling the meat home, wondering where it's sourced from, what it has been injected with, you can forego all of those stresses by ordering from W2 Beef. And I was shipped um, a an eighth of a cow, uh, which is now stocking my freezer, which A, gives me so much peace of mind knowing that we have quality beef in our freezer that's going to last me months and is, is just is so well-raised and sourced. 
I don't have to stress going, what is in this? Where is it from? Who raised it? What did they put into it? We really do not know if we can even trust the packages in the stores these days. And there's just a lot of concerns about our food supply um, and how that is going to be tampered with in the future. But the other thing I'll say is that I have eaten these steaks. I've had this ground beef. It is excellent in terms of quality, taste, texture. It is not tough. It is soft. It is excellent quality beef. So you will not be disappointed when you check out W2 Beef. Sign up for their huge giveaway of 50 pounds of free meat. When you sign up, you also get the chance to learn about their farm and you get a limited time offer that is available only when you sign up for that giveaway for Kindle listeners. And so scroll down in the show notes, click the link to sign up for the giveaway for 50 pounds of meat. But beware, do not sign up if you don't have a place to keep the meat because this is a lot of meat. You're going to need an extra freezer for this. Um, Scroll down in show notes. You'll find the link for W2 Beef Co. Check them out at w2beefco.com. Yeah. And that is something that I heard, um, from a a couple of them and others, other people who I, and I honestly don't follow very many of them. So I'm not even like the most well-versed either in who's who, but, um, rather have just noticed the trend, but I've had people tell me that they've heard this phrase of like influencer burnout from multiple of them. I'm like, well, that makes sense. I can totally Mm -hmm. see why. I mean, your whole life is literally dependent on presenting this image of kind of the perfect, happy, beautiful, always done up and ready for the day and, you know, always put together human. And you're presenting this like image of perfection, which you know, isn't real and reflective of your real life because no one's life is actually that perfect. Um, And there would be a part of you that would just get so worn down with like keeping that up. And Mm -hmm. I think there's, I'm not even saying they're lying when they say that. I think that's probably true that they do feel a lot of burnout from that lifestyle. And then they're like, this is the perfect opportunity for me to share in a very genuine and authentic way, my faith. And when they are sharing their faith with worship music in the background, that's Christian worship music and bands like, you know, the Gettys or Shane and Shane on the background of their faith story, it's very difficult, especially when they're sharing high level to discern that they're not a Christian. Like you you might not pick up on that. Um, many people have told me like, what? I had no clue. What do they believe? I don't know. And so, um, so I think that's, that's, you know, enough on that. We've, we've expressed why this is important. So let's talk about what are some of the key differences between Christianity and the LDS religion? Yeah. So obviously in this format, you know, this will be somewhat of a crash course. Um, so a couple of things that I like to recommend, um, people do because you know ATAP we do have materials like we have a basics like you can go to ATAP's website and we have basic information on pretty much most of the world's faiths. Um, we're actually creating a lot of content um, and we're starting with a lot of Latter Day Saint. Mm-hmm. But a couple of resources that I like to recommend one is Dr. Travis Kearns wrote a book called The Saints of Zion. Um, that's probably one of the best entry level um, uh, books that I recommend. Um, Dr. Kearns uh, was a church planter in Salt Lake City, a Baptist with a North American Mission Board. He's awesome. And then actually, um, I love giving these guys shout outs when I can, but Coltish has done a ton of um, mm-hmm. pretty long form stuff. So I want to make sure to give those guys their props. But um, so, so to understand the Latter-day Saints, you have to understand Joseph Smith. Um, Joseph Smith is the founder of Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. And what what right away people oftentimes don't 
don't stop to think about is this started in the in the 1800s. This is a uniquely um, new and American religion. Mm-hmm. Um, Joseph Smith, as a young man, was pretty disenfranchised with the Protestant church, saw a lot of division uh, amongst groups like Presbyterians and Methodists and Baptists. And coming out of the Second Great Awakening in the Northeast, um, he was from New York. Um, there was a lot of religious fervor in that area at the time. And so actually we see a lot of similarities between the life of Joseph Smith and then Charles Taze Russell, who was the founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses, um, similar time period, similar region of the United States. Uh, but Smith claims in the uh, 1820s to have seen two visions um, while he was kind of out just praying. Uh, and he says kind of just like seeking truth, seeking God in the woods um, the first division happened uh, three years before the, the second. And in the first division, he says he saw two personages, persons, um, Heavenly Father, which is the Latter-day Saint terminology for God or God the Father, who you, you and I would call God the Father. Um, and that's going to play pretty importantly here in just mm-hmm. a few minutes. But Heavenly Father and then Jesus. Um, and uh, he pointed to Jesus, says, this is my son, uh, who, who I'm, uh, this is my beloved son, hear him. Smith asked Heavenly Father, hey, which Christian group should I join? Um, and he says that Heavenly Father told him none of them, um, you know, and, and they had all deviated from the true message of, of the real gospel. Three years later, um, he says that he received the second vision, which uh, was when the angel Moroni came to him and revealed to him the location of these gold tablets hidden under this hillside in Palmyra, New York, um, told him to go get those. Uh, he gets these huge tablets, which were supposed to be made of gold. Um, and w- using these two seeing stones, um, and it's actually the these two seeing stones are called the, the Urim and the Thummim, which is actually uh, referenced in the Old Testament. Um, he says he has those two stones. And actually, um, one thing that most people don't know is that Smith never claimed to translate what was actually, he says, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics on these golden tablets. Um, he says that he use it by, by using these two seeing stones, put them in a hat, and he would look into the hat and see the translation in the seeing stones. And so there's actually Latter-day Saint depictions of this sketches mm-hmm. of him sitting on one side of the room, looking into this hat and somebody else writing down what he's saying. Um, and so th- these tablets end up becoming what we now know of and what Smith called uh, the Book of Mormon. Um, he, uh, in 1830, published the Book of Mormon. And the Book of Mormon, interestingly enough, really isn't a ton of doctrinal teachings. Um, it's actually the story of when Jesus, shortly after the resurrection, came to North America and spread the true gospel with um, early North American indigenous peoples. And so it's the story um, of lost Israelite tribes who migrated to the American, to North America. Um, and so he started kind of traveling around the Northeast, spreading this new gospel um, mm-hmm. that was begun with the Book of Mormon and started in the Northeast, made his way to Ohio, um, didn't make a lot of friends in Ohio, made his way to Missouri, made Mm -hmm. even fewer friends in Missouri, and then actually ended up in Nauvoo, Illinois, um, where he really built this amazing, it's like, it's this kingdom, honestly, like, um, there's another great book um, called uh, American Crucifixion, 
um, which depicts, it actually kind of describes this, this Nauvoo era um, that led to his assassination. Um, and in Nauvoo, it was a, it was a Utah before Utah existed. Mm -hmm. And this is actually during the Nauvoo era is when a lot of um, keystone or more popularized LDS teachings came into, to, um, into, you know, actuality, um, things like exaltation, um, in eternal progression, which we'll talk about here in a minute. And then this is where polygamy started. Um, and so, uh, in, in Nauvoo, Joseph Smith was prophet, priest, and king. I mean, mm -hmm. he was the general of the Nauvoo Legion, which was basically their military. He was the civic leader, you know, the mayor, um, but then he was priest. I mean, he, he was the, the president of the church, the one who could receive revelation. And so um, he he was killed in Carthage, Illinois. Um, he he died, and Brigham Young took over the church. And this is where they headed west to escape this you know persecution that they say they were experiencing. Um, and really, what a lot of people don't know um, is really the reason why the Latter-day Saint Church is so prevalent in Utah is they essentially founded Utah when they got to the Great Salt Flats. I mean, they set that state up, and so. Um, so, so this is really when the things begin to take off. Um, and what we now know of as the LDS was really formulated here with the Brigham Young era and on. And so, um, as far as keystone, just differences, the biggest one is the doctrine of God. And the way I like to depict this really when I'm talking about any religion, but especially Latter-day Saints is the question of who and what is God? Because Latter-day Saints believe that God, or who they call Heavenly Father, is an exalted man with a physical body of flesh and bone. Um, Joseph Smith uh, was quoted um, as uh, in what's called the King Follett Discourse, which was a hugely instrumental uh, sermon that he gave um, during that Nauvoo era. Um, mm -hmm. He said, "If God, or he said, um, God Himself was once as we are now, and is an exalted man, and sits enthroned in yonder heavens." If the veil were rent or if the veil were tore today and the great God who holds this world in its orbit, who upholds all worlds and all things by his power was to make himself visible. I say, if you were to see him today, you would see him like a man in form, like yourselves in all the person image and very form as a man for Adam was created in the very fashion image and likeness of God and received instruction from walked and talked and conversed with him as one man talks and communes with another. And so, I mean, honestly, Haley, like we could stop there pretty right. much, um, you know, so, and then what makes this even kind of more wild is that, um, and this is a doctrine well known within the Latter-day Saints, but not talked about very often, is that there's this doctrine of called exaltation and eternal progression that goes along with this doctrine of God, which is to say that how Heavenly Father got to where he is as an exalted man is that he lived a life on a past sphere of existence is the LDS term. So you and I might just kind of say universe, um, a, a, a different creation as a faithful saint. And so um, he lived this life as a faithful saint, made his way to the highest level of heaven called the mm -hmm. celestial kingdom. Um, Latter-day Saints believe in three different levels of, of heaven, the celestial kingdom, the terrestrial kingdom, and the telestial kingdom. They don't believe in hell. Um, or at least nothing quite like what uh, historic Orthodox Christianity believes in regards to hell. Mm -hmm. um, and so this, this heavenly father over this created order would have lived a life as a faithful saint. And he and his wife, heavenly mother, who's very rarely ever talked about, mm -hmm. um, 
would have been given this, this sphere of existence and they would have been given it in, in, a, in a formless way, but they don't believe in what we call creatio ex nihilo, which is creation out of nothing. They say that Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother fashioned this universe out of pre-existent matter and that they had spiritual children to populate the sphere of existence. Mm -hmm. Now, Jesus comes into play because they believe that the firstborn spiritual child between Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother was Jesus. And, and so, um, so that brings us kind of from the doctrine of God to the doctrine of Jesus, which is to say they do not believe um, in anything akin to what we would call theology proper, which is the study of God. They don't agree with us in theology proper, and they also don't agree with us in Christology. Um, so Jesus wasn't pre-existent. Jesus wasn't the son of God in the way that Trinitarians say he's the son of God. They say he is the literal son of God and, and a heavenly mother. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, um, and then I also like to point this out too, and this is kind of maybe a rabbit hole, um, but for people like me who just kind of think about this stuff all the time is well, there's a huge problem here actually that that actually Latter-day Saints haven't really begun to tackle too often yet is that um, what we're talking about if there's a past sphere of existence where the Heavenly Father mm -hmm. lived a previous life and there's potential future spheres of existence that the saints of this uh, created order will one day inhabit as Heavenly Fathers and Heavenly Mothers then what we actually see is we see an infinite regression of past spheres of existence that are populated um, and overseen by other heavenly fathers, other gods. And so really what we're talking about is kind of an LDS multiverse here. Um, and, and it's just, it's just absolutely. Because, yeah. because there's no, like, there's no unmoved mover, like in the Correct. Christian worldview where there's a God who was the alpha and the omega beginning, the end, yes. like God has been infinitely in existence and we can't understand yes. that, but then we have a fixed point of entering existence right yes. and in that the bible tells us yeah, about that the god Genesis. of the cosmological argument does not exist in right. latter-day saint thinking and theology mm -hmm. it's actually something that in talking to latter-day saints in in, in latter-day saint missionaries that at, at point at a certain point i'll bring up is that we do have some logical and rational problems here that do need to be overcome and um for listeners there's a book called the new mormon challenge it's actually kind of an older book and william lane craig wrote about this this actual problem of this infinite regression and into infinite progression um, of this LDS, um, uh, you know, pantheon of heavenly fathers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is no supreme being um, that created all things. And in, in, mm -hmm. in Latter-day Saints, you know, reasonably will chalk this up as a mystery um, yeah. in the same way that we chalk up the Trinity as a mystery. But there's serious logical deficiencies um, right. with this. And so, so yeah, you have a really strange, flawed um, theology proper, and then the Christology of Jesus on the death of Jesus. Before um, you go into that, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think what, what trips people up here and you explained it really clearly. Um, so I hope that that is, that, that is evident to people how this is not the same God. So no. what trips people up is that we have similar vocabulary, but a different dictionary. Right. And so they're like, I believe in Jesus too. I believe in Heavenly Father too. I believe in, you know, all these different words. Um, do they have a formal belief in the Holy Spirit? Yeah. So they would say that the Holy Spirit um is, is essentially a separate being, but not God. Um, okay. and they would say that it's a it's a purely spiritual being. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. 
and that's in and that's probably a bad way of explaining that but um but yeah they're not trinitarian at all and the right. holy spirit is not like a not somebody they would direct prayers to it okay right yeah and i think that's um you know not to be a dead horse but i i do feel that that is where a lot of the confusion lies is just the terminology that is used and when they say heavenly father i, I sometimes want to say Okay, it's as if, like, let's just change the name. This is how different they are. They're Jesus. His name is Bill. Okay. They're yeah. their Heavenly Father. His name is Craig. I, I don't mm-hmm. care. They're yeah. not, we're not talking about, yeah, you know, we have the same God. No, because you said you explained how their God is this uh this elevated and sort of ascended man who yeah. really was a man who realized his full potential and reached his full glorification capacity. And that is our example. So when they say like it, you know, Christ, our example, or, you know, mm-hmm. heavenly father, our, uh, the re- our reason for living, it's like those things sound Christian, but they mean something totally different. Cause they actually mean you too can be like God, which yeah. is ironically the exact same offer of Satan in the garden to Eve, right? Yeah. You yeah. can be like God. And I think yeah. that's the kind of the primary offer of the Mormon religion is you can be like God. You can one day have, you know, you can be a a God among men. You can have a planet. You can have your family can live together forever on this planet and you can continue to procreate into eternity, future. And, and so ultimately, you know, I just wish that what makes that, I think what makes this such a more complicated conversation than one such as Islam, for instance, where we're dealing with, you know, totally different names and terminology, although Islam also believes in Jesus as a prophet, right? They wouldn't deny yeah. Jesus lived. Um, right. But again, they don't see him as the Messiah and the son of God. And so again, w- we don't have the same Jesus with them either. And that's what I think people just have to really remind themselves of when they hear someone say the name Jesus or even God or the father who do you mean? Like you said, what and who do you mean by that? What's your definition of God? And who do you say that God is? And that's critical to understand anything else about the conversation. I'm sure that a lot of your listeners are are even listening to this conversation um, motivated by some sense of like, they don't feel comfortable sharing their Mm -hmm. faith. They certainly don't feel comfortable sharing their faith with people of other religions. And what I tell people all the time is, you know, uh, you don't need to be an expert in other people's mm-hmm. religions. You actually just need to learn how to have good conversation. And so, you know, if you and I, you know, uh, were to meet right in Kansas City, and 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 I didn't know you, you didn't know me, but I, you know, I I, I wanted to get to know you. I would ask like eventually pretty mm-hmm. important questions to try and determine kind of like, okay, what is the operative principles of Haley's life? Mm-hmm. We have lost that ability in evangelism to the point where you 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 typically kind of see two schools of thought within evangelism. And, um, you know, and I think I was saying this to you before we started press record, like I'm not naturally a great evangelist. Um, I have friends who really are. I'm more of like an anthropologist in that, like, I really like learning people. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm with a Latter-day Saint, I, I don't want to go down the one path, which is like, hey, God loves you. And, um, you know, hey, a wonderful he, plan for your life. Yeah, you, you all these kind of watered down type things. But then I also don't want to go too deep into like the, hey, let me tell you why Latter-day Saints are wrong and why sure. you're going to hell and all of those things. The middle ground, I think, is 
learning this person and, and what you just said is so true. When they say God, when they say Jesus, when they say grace, when they say salvation, when they say heaven, mm -hmm. even if you don't know, like, you know, but you, all you know is that there's significant differences. Like, so a listener is listening to me and you and they're like, Hey, Haley and Jeremy say there are significant differences. I don't remember what they are, but this kid's at my doorstep. So when he says heavenly father, I'm going to just say, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what do you picture when you say that? What does your church teach? And it's not confrontational to mm -hmm. do that in the same way that me, you know, sitting down in Kansas city at Joe's barbecue with you mm -hmm. or something, right? Like in me saying like, what sports teams do you like? But then the next conversation being like, you know, Hey, what are the most important things to you? Like, that's not confrontational. I'm just trying to get to know you. Right. And so they actually that, want to have that conversation with you. That's their entire job. Yeah. Yeah. And so even, and then the other thing too, especially in regards to missionaries, I'm sure we'll talk about this here in just a little bit, like more practical stuff, but these are 19 year old kids. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, I've been to the, I've been, I've not been inside of course, but like, you know, I've been to Provo, I've been outside the missionary training center. I've talked to um, Latter-day Saints who've served missions you know, these kids get a crash course in how to have these very scripted conversations. You in all likelihood, if you are willing to have a conversation with them, and especially if like me, you live in the Bible Belt, most of the other doors on your block, people didn't come to the door or, or the door was slammed in their face. You are likely the first and maybe only person who's going to share the gospel with them. And, um, and, and you just start like what you just said, Haley is like, learn to differentiate the terminology and don't mm -hmm. trust when they say Jesus, when they say God, that they mean the same thing that you mm -hmm. do. Right. Ask them what, who is, who is Jesus to you? Describe for me. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's a critical, critical question. Um, yeah. Thanks for digging into that. So, uh, we've talked about, you were, I think you're about to get into Christology, the different view of Christ before well, I, I think just, you. what people just need to know it, you know, and like I said, for more long form treatments of these, this, you know, this, um, you know, theological differences, there's so many great resources, but um, along with not being preexistent and eternal, Jesus's death, burial and resurrection did not redeem nor atone for, for sin. It just simply made us immortal. And what that means is that Latter-day Saints believe that in the afterlife that um, we all continue to live on. Um, and that, um, like I said before, we'll find ourselves in one of three places, um, that the, you know, that lower, uh, lower form of heaven, mm -hmm. um, the celestial kingdom, which is for like the wicked and ungodly, uh, the terrestrial kingdom, which is where basically like good people who weren't Latter-day Saints find themselves. And then the celestial kingdom, um, but then just really even to illustrate how differences the beliefs are about salvation, um, of course, to truly find yourself as quote unquote saved in Latter-day Saint thinking and theology, you know, you have to be a Latter-day Saint and you have to be a temple worthy Latter-day Saint. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you know, uh, participate in a celestial marriage in the temple. You have to be baptized in the temple. You have to be sealed in the temple. Um, and so you, you, and then, and then you really, you have to continue to, um, work out this salvation through works. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it's a very, like we mentioned with some of these influencers, it's a very exhausting thing, but mm -hmm. it's, it's that, that terminology I used earlier, eternal progression, um, is quite literal, even in the afterlife, your destination mm -hmm. is not finalized. You have the opportunity to e progress eternally 
and probably best illustrated by a doctrine called proxy baptism, mm, uh, mm-hmm. which is, or what they might also just call baptism for the dead, which yeah. is um, baptism that is performed in the temple, um, but a Latter-day Saint would go to the temple to be baptized for the second or third, fourth ongoing time, but they do it vicariously in the name of somebody who has passed on who was mm-hmm. not a Latter-day Saint. Mm-hmm. And so this is actually quite fascinating because Latter-day Saints historically have kept tedious family records and ancestral records so that they can um, know who in their family tree was not a faithful Latter-day Saint. And so actually a lot of the research databases that we use for you know, Ancestry.com, 23andMe, um, a lot of that that research was done by Latter-day Saints. And some of those companies are actually owned by Latter-day Saints or mm-hmm. not, not, not necessarily the church. I don't want to make that claim. Right. But uh, Latter-day Saints are the ones who have made these services so prevalent because they were they had these ridiculously good uh, familial uh, records. And so 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 in that in that act, that proxy baptism, somebody in the afterlife would then be offered the opportunity to receive salvation um, post-mortem. And so, yeah. um, so yeah, it's just, it's so different. I mean, we could go on and on and on about the differences, mm-hmm. but those are the biggest ones I think to illustrate to listeners, whether they're Christian or non-Christian, it doesn't really matter. Um, right. It's just like, no, we're not talking about the same religion. Right. We're not talking about the same Jesus. We're not talking about the same God. We're not talking mm-hmm. about the same heaven, salvation. Nothing is the same. All right. I have to interrupt this conversation one last time to let you know about my favorite place to get my nails done, and that is at home with Bubble Pop Club. Bubble Pop Club is the fun solution to traditional messy nail polish and expensive and toxic nail salons. These uh, nail adhesives, these wraps are low tox, easy to apply, long lasting, and they make you look like you just came from the salon. I've been using these for a year, I think. And I love the traditional wraps that I put over um, fake nails that I will glue on. I also like their gels, which are just as good as salon quality gels. And then they have just the regular adhesive wraps that you can do on your natural nail. So there's a lot of different options depending on your preference, what you're going for, the look and the feel that you prefer. Um, But my favorite thing is that it's a conservative owned company run by a Christian mom. Um, Allie, she's also hilarious. So you have to follow her on Instagram. Her stories are truly the most entertaining on the whole platform. And um, she's just great. So I want to support her, but I also love her products. So check them out, bubblepopclub.com and use the code Haley15 for 15% off your order. That's Haley15, H-A-L-E-Y 15 for 15% off at bubblepopclub.com. Yeah. Um, and, and that's interesting. I don't think I understood that they believe that Jesus's death and resurrection merely achieves immor- or immortality for them, um, which would explain why historically, even if you think about, you probably know this, that the Google Maps icons that they had for LDS churches used to be the angel Moroni, like an image, the, you know, the image that mm-hmm. you would see all over LDS stuff. Yeah. Uh, they recently changed those to crosses, but historically they're very like the, the cross is not um, integral to their faith. It's not like when you walk into a Catholic church, yeah. you see the big cross with Jesus still hanging there. That idea of like the perpetual, he's always mm-hmm. still dying and you have to continually 
work for your salvation. Yeah. The cross is very um not involved in their in their worldview. I guess it's it's I've even heard people say like they you're not allowed to wear crosses. I don't know if that's true or not that it's discouraged or something because it's it's an image of like failure and right death it's not it doesn't have the atoning the sacrificial atonement yeah. that we would view as like christ becoming the curse for us mm-hmm. it's just like it's something else for them so i don't know if you can unpack that a little bit more well and you know it, this is where and I've, i have found i've actually seen i've seen this happen to you in the last two weeks on instagram um i find that the few times i've ever been like questioned or rebuked by a Latter-day Saint, especially on social media, is that like on topics like this, where there's some ambiguity, mm-hmm. they'll be like, no, see, you don't understand. You don't understand. Like you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually one thing I, th- I think I've seen you do that I think is really good. And I try and do the same thing. It's like, okay, like point out, I don't ever want to misrepresent your faith. Right. So point out to me where I'm wrong. And then I typically find that there there's no answer. I, so mm-hmm. what I, what I find is that I'm not sure exactly how every single uh, Latter-day Saint feels about the cross. You yeah. are right. It's not the predominant imagery, at least historically. Mm-hmm. What I would say is this, as opposed to making it just simply about, hey, how do they feel about the cross? Because like like we're saying, if they're sitting on your doorstep, they're mad. Mm-hmm. The cross is great, man. We celebrate Good Friday and Easter. Um, like Whereas like in Jehovah's Witnesses, we see um, like they don't, like, like they're actually not really about the resurrection in, in, the, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the cross specifically. Latter-day Saints, I think, would have no problem saying, Hey, the cross, yeah, we, is great. But like, if somebody, if the listener's familiar with like somebody like John Stott, who's this uh, just amazing theologian that came out of England in the 1900s, he wrote this amazing book called the cross of Christ. And I think it should be on every Christian's reading list. And he talks about how important the cross is and why it's important. And what you just said, that quote from Galatians, where, you know, he became the curse for us. Mm-hmm. A Latter-day Saint would not say those things. And so they might mm-hmm. say the cross is important and some of them may, may wear the cross, but they would not say the same things about the cross as mm-hmm. us. And so that's where the differentiation again lies right. is not taking them at their word by saying, yeah, no, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for all of mankind's sins. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you mean by that? Because mm-hmm. What Galatians says, what Second Corinthians five says, is this: mm-hmm. What do you believe? And that's where, once again, we'll find ourselves embarking on territory where we see that fork in the road of like, oh no, you guys, you don't believe the same thing as historic Orthodox Christianity at all. You just make it seem like you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a good point. Just asking again, asking them, what do you believe about this? What do you believe yeah. about um, any any given topic? Mm-hmm. So. Um, getting into kind of practical things, um, give us some pointers, tips, like how would you start up a conversation with someone who knocks on your door? Uh, you know, they got the name on name tag on, they're clearly LDS. Like where would you, if they say, Hey, do you have a moment to talk about, um, your beliefs or our beliefs? Uh, I, I haven't had them actually knock on my door. I don't know what the opener line is, but, um, what would your, what would your approach to that be? Well, so um, funny enough, actually, um, and I don't know if I'm just blackballed or what, but I never get knocks on my door either. Um, also, they're kind of going, I think COVID really changed things. Um, uh-huh. Like them and the Jehovah's Witnesses really don't knock on doors as much anymore. They utilize Facebook a lot, Facebook Messenger. Um, so what I've actually done, it kind of sounds crazy, but 
you can actually go on their website and request a meeting with the local missionaries. So I do that all the time. Um, you know, uh, the local missionaries change out like every six months. And so um, they're constantly moving around. So there's in all likelihood, unless you're in like a big, big city, in all likelihood, you have a different set of missionaries like every six to nine months. And so um, myself and, and the people at my church uh, and the people that were uh, mobilizing through ATAP, what we call the Engage Network, um, what we say is like, hey, if you don't know Latter-day Saints, but you're trying to reach Latter-day Saints and they haven't knocked on your door, you can actually go on the Latter-day Saint website, fill out this form, and they'll call you and set up an appointment. And so mm -hmm. I do that a lot. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I just start off by just kind of saying what I was saying earlier. It's like, hey, you know, start off with just like the pleasantries. I mean, just a normal conversation. Like mm -hmm. I said, keep in mind, this is an 18 to 22 year old kid. Right. Separated don't, from their family. Gosh, yeah, man. I mean, like, take so a little hard. bit of uh, mercy on them. Don't mm -hmm. sit them down and show them William Lane Craig videos the first time you meet. Mm -hmm. um, get to know them. Um, you know, ask them about what they, you know, they like. But then, you know, yeah, give them the opportunity. They're gonna, they're gonna give you some scripted stuff. Um, mm -hmm. They're gonna want to walk you through some introductory Bible lesson. And you know, that's where I think you need to use some discernment. Some people can do that. I would hesitate to tell a new Christian to sit down with a Latter-day Saint mm -hmm. and walk, start walking through Bible studies with them. Right. But however you choose to kind of to enter into this conversation with them as they present what they deem to be right, this this truth, this restored gospel of the Book mm -hmm. of Mormon. And then there's two other texts yeah. that came after that called Doctrines and Covenants and Pearl of Great Price. And then the president of the church and the quorum of the 12 apostles uh, perpetuate what's called continued revelation. And mm -hmm. so they meet twice a year called general conference. Um, and from time to time, the president of the church will actually introduce new revelation. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so as these things are shared with you, do what you and I have said a few times now, which is now, okay, explain that. And then keep in mind, this is, I think this is the absolute attitude shift that American evangelicals need to make is that we're so timid and you, I think you might've earlier in this conversation at some point, maybe it was pre-show, you said the 11th commandment of thou shalt be nice. Yeah. We, we just like feel this visceral thing in our heart and in our bones to just never disagree with anybody. So, so true. what we do is we shake our, we, we nod our head. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Then, well, I've got to be going now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or it's just like, okay, we'll agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, no, like don't agree right. to disagree, at least not yet. <laughs> you yeah, know that, I mean? like don't give don't give up that early. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, say, well, hey, I'd love to, I'd love, you know, like if, if they came to my door, I wouldn't even try and have that substantial conversation at the door. Mm -hmm. What I would say is, hey, you know, either come inside, depending on what your situation is, you know, but hey, um, I'd love to sit down with, they don't drink coffee. Um, mm -hmm. So that's unfortunate because in our world, right, everything's yeah. about can I take you to coffee? But like, Hey, I'd love to sit down and just hear everything mm -hmm. you have to share and then go into it with this very unapologetic notion of if they feel the liberty to share their faith with me, I not for a second, I'm going to feel bad disagreeing and sharing my faith with them. Yeah. We have to adopt that attitude change as evangelicals, because if we don't, we will, you know, die the death of a thousand cuts of just mm -hmm. kind of like nodding our head yes and and walking away and saying, oh, I can't believe they they believe these crazy things. Mm -hmm. But you know, you shared something on Instagram um, 
And I think it was your pastor who seems like a pretty awesome guy because what he said he was <laughs> walk through Galatians with them. Like, mm-hmm. yes, that's so good. Galatians, Colossians. I mean, Paul spent the entirety of his Christian life preaching against man-made gospels, man-made mm-hmm. laws, um, and worship of other gods. Mm-hmm. And so take them to Galatians, take them to the letters to the church at Corinth, take them to Colossians and just say, hey, have you ever read this? Because they probably haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, and just say, what do you think this means? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they're going to, and I'll tell you what they're going to do, especially if you meet multiple times, they're going to go back to their mission president, um, which is sort of a clergy person over the entire region. And they're going to ask that person questions. Sometimes if you're asking really difficult questions, they'll actually bring people from the mm-hmm. ward to the meetings. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that, which is great because the other thing too, is not all Latter-day Saints are missionaries. There's actually plenty more Latter-day Saints in your community than the two missionaries who were assigned to it. And, and mm-hmm. like the struggle right now that our mission team leaders with the Engage Network are having is, you know, meeting non-missionary Latter-day Saints um, who aren't constantly moving in and out of our community. And so, yeah, so approach the conversation boldly, um, you know, not like a jerk, but at yeah. the same time, like have those, have that conversation that the trajectory is giving you the opportunity to point out where Joseph Smith and Brigham Young deviated from the true word. Um, and, and I think you actually shared, you know, the, the scripture, um, you know, from revelation or in my, mm-hmm. I mean, it too, which is like, don't trust anybody who tries to add to this. Right. And even um, an angel, I, which Moroni was exactly. right. An angel of light apparently. Yeah. And so, so yeah, but yeah. And then the other thing too, is, you know, like you've already mentioned, be ready to differentiate the terminology. Um, don't like be curious, right. Mm-hmm. Ask what they mean by certain words. Um, when you are praying for them, when you are sharing the gospel with them, um, we want to put the gospel in a context that does make sense to them and does present the parts of the gospel that they haven't heard. And so feel free to emphasize like, like the texts that we find in Hebrews that talks about the, the, the need for no more high priest Mm -hmm. because they, they believe in temples and priests. Hebrews tells us, Hey, Jesus is our high priest and there's a perfect Holy of Holies in heaven now. Mm -hmm. Um, So emphasize um, no more priesthood, no more temples emphasize grace. Grace is a a word that's hugely important to them. But what you'll find is that while they use that word, once again, this is one of these words that um, the idea of unmerited favor and that salvation is a gift, something Mm -hmm. not to be worked for, but merely accepted. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not what they mean by grace. And so emphasize grace, mercy, and then peace and eternal hope. Um, I find that, and this is actually true for a lot of other you know, evangelism towards other religious groups. I was just in the Middle East a few months ago, and there's this um, beautiful technique of sharing the gospel with Muslims called any three. And it's it's contingent on the idea of just simply asking, um, because Muslims uh, and Christians do sh- have some shared beliefs. Mm-hmm. And one is that we're all sinful. And so the question then becomes, well, how do you believe your sins are forgiven? Well, Muslims will go through this whole catalog of things that they have to do to have Mm -hmm. their sins forgiven. And then you ask the question, well, do you believe that your sins are forgiven yet? Mm -hmm. The answer is always no. And then you say, well, I believe that my sins are already forgiven and I am already, I already know and am known by God. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's why. And you, you start with Adam and Eve, 
you know, you yeah. go to the cross. I actually think that this is an effective method for Latter-day Saints as well, because you can say, you know, hey, we both believe we're sinful, but how do you believe your sins are forgiven? Mm-hmm. You push past the generic, like, oh, accept Jesus as your Savior. It's like, no, but what do you have to do? You know, yeah. I'm going to start telling you some things. They'll say, go to they'll go to Second Nephi two twenty three through twenty five, which says you are saved after all you can do. Yes. So essentially, after you put forth your best effort and you do your best, Jesus fills in the rest. And so you yes. do your best; He's got the rest. Kind of yes. that yes. you first, Jesus second. Whereas, like Christians believe that Jesus gives us a new heart and mind that then we want to obey him out of. And then we become sanctified and we become more like Christ as we walk, you know, after him and we follow him and we obey him and and he, he, but it starts with him. It doesn't start with us. It starts and ends with him, right? Like the whole thing, because the regenerative act of giving us a new heart and mind, if we're dead, like dead people can't do anything. And so um, I just think that part, I've had that conversation with someone on Instagram who, you know, what I would add to this is just like, it's actually interesting how many people are probably their faith is literally hanging on by a thread. Um, you really don't know. I mean, and, and they may not appear it on the outside, but I would imagine there's a lot of Mormons, just like there are a lot in any religion of people who don't really know what they believe, why they believe it, who's they, they have lost, you know, that kind of, um, certainty or stability in their life for one reason or another. But I had a girl message me and say, you know, if, if someone could disprove for me right now that the book of Mormon is not true, if they could, or if they could show me that the book of Mormon is not true, I would be ready to leave it all. Cause she's seen the corruption in the church since COVID. She's seen a lot of things that kind of opened her eyes, similar to what I did, even in our old church, you know, when COVID happened, a lot of people had that experience. Um, and so the blessing of that is like, it has opened a lot of people up to going, wait a second, like there's some stuff that's really off that my church is teaching, but, um, they haven't been kind of pushed over the edge yet to leave. And I was just, I was kind of surprised by how open she was to being proven wrong. She wanted, she was like asking me to prove her wrong. And so, you know, we're still kind of having a conversation, but, um, you know, it's, it's interesting when you realize like there's, there's a lot of people. Yes. There are those who are like very gung ho, you know, um, very offended and, you know, left my page in a huff when I said, you know, Mormons aren't Christians. There's also those that that one girl is still staying. She's like, no, I'm still going to follow you. I like a lot of what you're saying and it's really intriguing. And I'm, I'm honestly really struggling with my faith. And so you just don't, like I say that to be encouraging that you don't have to view every single person coming across your doorstep as someone who's like super adversarial and ready to bite your head off. Like that's not necessarily the case at all. And so you really don't know where that person's at. They could be in a spot that is like just very precarious and not that you want to exploit that, but that's an opportunity for you to, the the person who is sick is the one who knows they need a a healer, right? It's not, Jesus said, I came for the sick, not the well, right? In, In the sense that the Pharisees thought they didn't need a savior or a messiah really. And so, um, anyway, I, yeah. it's a little bit of a tangent, but. Oh, it's, 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 it's an amazing tangent to go on. And I think that that's really, when we talk, when we have these conversations about, okay, how do we do this? Mm-hmm. Is I worry sometimes that, you know, the evangelical church is hyper-equipped and just drastically under-motivated. Mm-hmm. And if we don't understand the why, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how many YouTube videos of Frank Turek or William Lane Craig, yeah 
me or you, somebody's listened to. And this is actually the most alarming thing to me, Haley. I was thinking about this for the past few days, just thinking about this conversation. And I think what the Lord really, I, I think, has just shown me in these years of doing this type of ministry is that the most alarming missional need that I see in this conversation is not the 16 million Latter-day Saints. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a huge minority group. <laughs> like it's, I mean, that's a misnomer. The idea that it's a huge, it's a, it's a drastically minority group. There's really not that many of them. So, hey, if you know one, if you want to seek one out, if, if somebody's listening to this and like, man, their heart skips a beat because they're like, for some reason, I just, I'm really excited about the idea of trying to reach that group. Um, then, hey, yeah, give me a call. Go, go to go to our website. Mm-hmm. We can we can equip you to do that. But Haley, the thing that m- m- just breaks my heart more than anything is that this conversation is necessary at all because what we have right now in American evangelicalism is the fact that me and you even have to convince Christians that these doctrines are apostate. Yeah. And, and, and apostate apostasy is not even the right word. I mean, they didn't leave. They're heretical, right? It's just complete heresy. And I don't mm-hmm. say that to be overly harsh or, you know, have a polemic and all these things. What I just say is that the greatest missional need, I think, is demonstrated by the fact that every time you post one of these things, a thousand people say, I hate you. Mm-hmm. I'm done with you. Yeah. The, is the greatest thing is like when I was in Utah and we were at general conference and we were just trying to have conversations with Latter-day Saints, mm-hmm. is that I did receive criticism from somebody saying, from Christians, why mm-hmm. would you go in? And yeah. try and disrupt their way of life. And I just, right. my head spins at this because yeah. it's just like, and here's why we never say that about Muslims or we, we don't, we hardly, I should say, we hardly ever hear that yeah. from Christians about Muslims, Hindus, atheists, neo-pagans. Mm-hmm. But here's why it's because they're the most American. They're the most conservative. And like you said, they're the most well-kept and, and they look like mm-hmm. they have everything together. And, and so they follow the 11th commandment. Of, exactly. That shall exactly. be nice. And, and so I, yeah. I just think to a listener who's listening to this and, and, you know, they're just kind of like, yeah, that's cool that you guys are talking about Latter-day Saints, but I don't really care. I don't know any Latter-day Saints. Hey, that's fine. If you don't want to go hunt them down, that's fine. But at the end of the day, I just need Christians to take people like me and you at our word when we say, if you see and hear these doctrines and these teachings and these institutions, which claim to be aligned with Christ and actually not only claim to be aligned with Christ, but you mentioned too, it's, it's kind of funny that here lately they've really fought for that title of Christian mm-hmm. and not that they're Christian and we're not, they want to be accepted by us, yeah. which, is, which is insane because mm-hmm. the whole thing started with Smith saying, God yeah. told me every one of them is wrong. So right. we're, they're restorationist. And so I'm going off on my own tangent now, but all, I think all a lot of them don't even know their own history. And it, no, this is absolutely. where you get into like yeah. the same conversation with Catholics. You don't actually yeah. fully know what your church teaches, you know, yeah. now some do and some yeah. are fully convinced yeah. of it, but others there's, it's not a monolith. Like you have people who are right. just like with Christianity, not every Christian, right. As we are mm-hmm. literally discussing now, the problem is so many Christians don't even know what the Bible teaches, don't know that LDS doctrine is doesn't fall within the bounds of Orthodox Christianity. And they don't know that there is any reason they should go share the gospel with these people because they look like you and me. They're mostly white. They seem pretty friendly. Yeah. That's the problem. Like it's my yeah. favorite influencer. She has the best exactly. recipes or the best DIY. Like she's super nice. She talks about Jesus. Like, yeah. don't you have other problems going on? And it's like yeah. this. So we have the same problem in all of these religions that people don't really know 
-hmm. what their core doctrine teaches when it comes to doctrine of God, who is Jesus, who is man, why am I here, where am I going, what is the meaning of life, what is the point of how, why does suffering exist, all these like core worldview questions, they don't even know the answers to it. Um, But they're angry and offended when you say that this person needs the gospel or is not a Christian, because we still, even though I don't believe America is a Christian nation anymore, there's still residual you know, kind of echoes of our past where there's like Christian still has some, depending on the circle you're in, most of the circles I'm in, you know, uh, it still has some echoes of like, what they mean is I'm a good person. I'm, I'm, I'm nice. You know, I love others. I think that we're all just doing our best. We all are, you know, we're just trying to go along to get along and let's just give each other grace and it's going to be okay in the end. You know, (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. Christianity to them. And so, um, yeah. yeah, what you said is is so true that that is the the problem. The sad part is, and you're getting back to like the whole why behind my platform. Why do I even care? Why am I doing any of th- talking about this at all? Is because I want to equip Christians. Because le- more and more, fewer and fewer of people who profess to be Christians actually even possess an ounce of biblical doctrine. <laughs> like, even know what it is, and um. And there's, there's obviously a lot of people down up the chain at fault for that, you know, unbiblical churches and watered down pastors and um, no discipleship or uh, there's all kinds of things we can point to, of course. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we do need to get equipped. We do need to, you know, it's our, it's like my focus is the same as what you said. It's on believers. Like I want to equip Christians and that's who I'm always talking to my platform is you need to know the difference, you know? I'm hoping that this conversation will equip you and kind of edify you and build you up so that you feel now equipped to go out and have a conversation or even to defend again with another believer say, Hey, actually that doctrine's not biblical. Even if it's just a clarifying conversation, like that's where we've got to start somewhere. And so I feel like we're really starting at the the floor here. We're not, mm-hmm. I mean, we've lost a lot um, over the years. And so, yeah, yeah I appreciate just all that you shared there. It's, it's really good. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I really appreciate, I, I think it would have been really easy for you to have the platform that you have geared towards Christians um, and, you know, not have this type of conversation, but I do think it is, a, it, it is an opportunity for discipleship first. At the end of the day, like mm-hmm. I said, I think the population of Latter-day Saints worldwide is somewhere around 16 million, maybe, maybe higher, um, but not much higher. So at the end of the day, our, our priority isn't first to, Hey, we're going to go reach all the Latter-day Saints. I mean, that's, that needs to be more of a priority. That's why we do things the way, the way we do them at ATAP. Mm-hmm. The greatest need that I see is for conversations like this with Christians and, and then even more so to helping them understand, okay, it's not that every disagreement makes somebody not a Christian, but that there are some things that make somebody not a Christian. And, mm-hmm. um, and like you said, that it's weird that that's become like oh, an insult. Oh, they're yeah. not a Christian. It's like, I can't believe you'd be so rude. Right. And, uh, and it's just like, yeah. Like calling them ugly or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, it's like, hey, you want it's, like a lot of the nicest people I've ever met are not Christians. Yeah. <laughs> you know sure. I, mean? I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't care about somebody's niceness or even their happiness. Right. Mm-hmm. I want them to, I want them to know God and to be known by him. And mm-hmm. you can't do that unless you're following the roadmap that he laid out for us. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, this whole idea that like, there's multiple ways to God. It's just like what you said, you know, it's like, Hey, their God's name is Craig. Our name, or God's name is Bill. It's like, you don't just get to say God, mm-hmm. and assume that we're talking about the same thing. Right. And, 
Um, and so, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, I appreciate your heart in this and, you know, for listeners, um, I do hope that people, you know, are mobilized by this conversation in some form and fashion, um, whether yeah. to, you know, do the deep dive themselves into what they believe and why. Um, but then even some that might say, you know, Hey, I want to be a missionary to Latter-day Saints in my community. Um, or even go to, I mean, it sounds crazy, but even, you know, move to Utah and, and be an evangelist out there mm -hmm. because, uh, uh, Salt Lake city and Provo is one of the least rich places in the entire world. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so the U.S. is a lot less reached than we think it is. And the Latter-day Saints are a pretty good example of that. Yeah. Yeah. I've also heard um, there's some pretty large swaths in Arizona Yeah, um, out in that area as well. So, uh, yeah, like you said, I, I it is tragic uh, how unreached it is. And we didn't even get into we don't have time to talk about the statistics that reveal kind of the hopelessness, you know, the suicide yeah. rate, the um, plastic surgery rates mm -hmm. in, you know, in Salt Lake City and Provo, like it's, it's wild. And it's, you don't say that to boast, but it is um, evidence of the hopelessness that that man-made religion, that false religion is actually leaving people with. It's not leaving them happy and, you know, secure in their salvation. They are you know, they, they would say, I, I hope I'm saved someday. Like, I think I'll be with God in some capacity. I, I'm, I hope so. I think so. And I've even been told by Latter-day Saints that I think you'll be with God. I think you're a Christian, yeah. which again would be evidence that they don't know what their church teaches because the church would say, no, you're not right. Because you don't, you are not, um, essentially submitting to our doctrines. Like I, I would reject what they say. And so it, it's just interesting. Yes. Finding out that so many people don't really know what they believe, but enter our opportunity to to be grounded in what the word says to be students of it to be always growing and learning and that's just my biggest encouragement to people is like never stop learning like i i didn't know any of this stuff a year or two years ago and now i feel like i'm pretty well versed in it and able to have that conversation and, and understand and see the differences and i think we should all always be seeking to grow and learn and um that's what sanctification is and you don't have to be someone who's having these conversations with uh, an LDS individual yourself in order to continue to to grow and learn in your in your faith and to know what you believe ultimately what you believe in and just like the Bible tells us to be able to give a reason for the hope that you have. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's a great place to land. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, where can people connect with you online and follow your work? Yeah, um, our biggest presence is is on Instagram, right, right there with you um, at allthings.allpeople, um, and so I'm I'm there um, and do quite a bit on Instagram, and then also uh, allthingsallpeople.org, and so um, they can find the articles that we write and the content that we do, um, and then um, we have something called the Engage Network, which is um, uh, essentially a network of churches that we're st we've started um, where we go in and um and really build up and equip people to do what you and I are talking about is identify um you know the people groups that are unreached in their areas um and 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 sometimes that's just nominal christians or an unreached mm -hmm. people group unfortunately and so um and so we are equipping churches uh to raise up uh, missionaries here in the states um in that way and so if there's a church leader listening um who you know wants to you know, not just talk about it, but really be about it. That's a great place to start as well. And so all that information is on our website, um, allthingsallpeople.org. And um, yeah, I mean, um, I'm constantly answering emails and DMs from people with questions just like this. And so uh, I'm there for people who want to uh, get after it. 
Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. Thanks for listening today. I pray that that was encouraging and equipping for you. Um, come find me on Instagram at Haley.Kindled to con- continue the conversation. Uh, that is where a lot of the episodes that I do here get their origin and kind of are inspired by conversations that pop up on social media with you guys. Um, and it's the place that I'm most active in between episodes. So find me there. I uh, would love to meet you. And thank you for listening. I will see you next time on Kindled.